We all have dreams. Some people seem to live theirs while others seem to struggle. This is, however, merely a perception. What if you could get the answers you needed to execute on your dreams? Welcome to the Platinum Mask Podcast, a show designed to ask various young professionals just how they deal with their specific ups and downs. How does one young upstart navigate competing with name brand companies? Where do we get the best tools? How do we grow from our stress and anxiety? Most importantly, how do we properly utilize our cash flow? The Platinum Mask Podcast with your host, Grayson Mask. We wanted answers, so we're going out to get them and sharing them with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello to everyone listening to That Platinum Mask Podcast. I am Grayson Mask. I have with me Emilia Latiri of Ranch 2.0, which is a premium liquor canned cocktail that offers high-quality tequila and vodka into their different products. Um, again, Amelia, I wanted to thank you for jumping on this podcast episode with me and really having this conversation. Um, really, from my perspective, I'm always trying to have more conversations with people in the wine and spirits world and really want to kind of sell, you know, you guys' product. Um, I knew it was kind of an interesting, you know, I know it's hard to kind of that canned beverage environment. Uh, it can be difficult, but no, I thought it was a really cool product. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun so far, um, for sure. And we knew going into this that it's a very competitive industry, but we weren't afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I kind of wanted to start with, um, really kind of wanted to start from the beginning on before kind of you were involved with alcohol. Um, I know kind of looking back on your background, I saw that you really started out off with, uh, after graduating from A&M, you started at uh, I believe Sun Texas Capital Partners uh, and kind of the finance side and, and was kind of wondering on really what led to your kind of appreciation for the wine and spirits environment. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I did, I graduated from Texas A&M with a finance degree and went to work for a private equity firm right out of school here in Dallas. And um we bought one of the nation's leading co-packers of functional beverages. So they co-packed for Monster, Red Bull, Mike's Hard Lemonade. They had their own craft brand of beer and they became my primary portfolio company. So I spent a lot of time out in their co-packing facility, helping. Um, we were right-sizing their operations, trying to get them more efficient. Um, and that And I always joke that their conference room was their tap room because they had their own craft Mm -hmm. brand of beer. Um, And so that is really where I fell in love with beverages, just kind of being in the environment from the manufacturing side and um, Mm -hmm. seeing what all went into that. Um, Then after I left that private equity firm, after a few years, I went to work for 7-Eleven, which is the nation's um, leading convenience store. Um, and I did mergers and acquisitions for them. So still finance heavy, but that was the opportunity. I traveled the nation looking at convenience stores to buy. Um, I spent a lot of time in gas stations, which is not sexy <laughs> at all. But it taught me a lot about how to merchandise and how to brand and how to build a brand. And I helped 7-Eleven has their own private label brand. And so I helped with that. So I got a lot of exposure from... From you know the co-packing side and then the the customer facing side, 
Um, and you know, I had always been very entrepreneurial. I always knew that there was something that I should do and I hadn't figured out what it was. And, um, to back up half of my family is from West Texas. So we grew yeah, up, I was drinking ranch waters before I should have been drinking ranch waters. Um, and I didn't know that people didn't know what they were. I just assumed it was, you know, everybody knows what a margarita is. Everybody knows what a ranch water is, but that's mm-hmm. not the case. So uh, a few years ago, think back to 2019, early, early 2019, White Claw wasn't a thing, truly wasn't a thing. Um, this kind of canned cocktail industry hadn't exploded yet. Um, and I, I was sitting on the couch one day and my neighbor texted and just said, hey, uh, do you have any limes? I want to make this drink called ranch water. And I was like, <laughs> I love ranch waters, um, but I don't have any limes. And you know, I said it out loud to myself and my husband said, you think there'd be a pre-made ranch water like Bethany Frankel's Skinny Girl Margarita? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you do think that there would be one. So I you know, did a quick Google search and uh, I was like, but there's not one. And yeah. he turned to me, he stopped what he was doing. He turned to me and he goes, you're going to do it. And I was like, ha, 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 yeah. And he said, no, honey, you've got the industry experience. You've got the mentors. You've seen it firsthand from the co-packing and from the customer facing side. You're going to do this. Mm-hmm. So the next day we went and opened up a bank account and um, then I started searching the nation for a good tequila um, because I knew that a ranch water, to make it a good ranch water, you need good tequila. And I tried, you know, to, to take a step back, canned cocktails, liquor-based canned cocktails are an emerging segment of the market. They were they were kind of around, but they are more expensive to make um, because we're taxed at the same tax as like a bottle of tequila, whereas beer and wine are taxed at lower rates. Um, but mm. then also the distribution is tr- more tricky because every state is different on their uh, liquor laws. So here in Texas, we can't we can only be sold at liquor stores. But in California, our products can be sold at grocery stores, convenience stores, you know, all over. So, you know, people I think had trended towards these like malt or wine based beverages purely from a a cheaper standpoint and uh, just distribution standpoint. It's just easier to, you can, you can put your malt based beverage in HEB and bam, you've got a a ton of product out on the market. Um, But we knew that we didn't want that. I knew I wanted a true canned cocktail that would really emulate a a fresh ranch water. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started searching the nation for, you know, a bulk tequila supplier, tried a ton. My husband and I, you know, we would walk around saying, what's not fun about tequila? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, it's super fun doing that. And then once we found a great tequila we liked, we worked with a beverage formulator um, to have our products formulated in a lab so that they're safe and they're shelf stable. I'm not a chemist. I'm a finance person by trade. And so I wasn't going to try to manufacture the drinks myself and make the recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how we got started in it. Um And then from there, you know, I knew enough from the retail and building a brand side that I didn't want to go to market with just a ranch water because not everybody knows what a ranch water is, even in Texas. And so if Texans, not everybody in Texas knows what a ranch water is, people in Missouri have no clue what a ranch water is, you know? Um, And so I didn't want to be a Texas only business. I wanted to be bigger than Texas. And I wanted to have a lineup of products that would appeal to an array of tastes. Um, because frankly too, I've learned that not everybody likes tequila. I think that people had a bad experience with tequila 
in high school or college. <laughs> and so they're kind of afraid to go back to it. Um, which is why I think people like the vodka drinks because you can mask the flavor of vodka so much easier. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's why we, we, we also developed a classic Marg because that's the number one cocktail in the U.S. Um, we did a cranberry vodka soda because I looked around the market and there wasn't one. And that's what I drank all through my 20s. Um, and I was like, man, I would love a cranberry vodka soda right now. You know, this is such an easy product to drink. Um, mm -hmm. And then we talked to distributors and we kept hearing, hey, Jen is going to make a comeback. We're seeing it coming back in vogue. It's going to be the next big thing. And so we thought, well, we'll just formulate a Gen Fizz to be ahead of that trend. And then kind mm -hmm. of what we found through developing that Gen Fizz was that the reason people don't really like Gen is because the juniper berry can be too strong. Um, so we actually formulated our own Gen that, that dials down that juniper berry to make it more approachable. Um, mm -hmm. So what we were left with was this great product that we're, it's not on the market yet. We're getting ready to launch it in May. But um, I had people who don't even like Jen try it, and they were like, wow, how can I get a case of that? Uh, so I'm super proud of the four mm. products that we've got in our light up right now. Definitely. No, I liked uh, how you kind of brought up that the idea, when you kind of started this project, really in 2018 and 2019, that the whole White Claws and True Release weren't a huge kind of force in the market. What, what do you think has been like leading to, I guess, these light product like light canvas that people have been going crazy for yeah i mean I, if you think back really you know the past 10 to 15 years have been um, largely run by these craft beers the craft beer movement right um mm. I, I i went to specs one day when we were just kind of you know, formulating the idea in our head. And I was like, there are a million different craft beers on the market right now, just here in Texas alone. Um, and so what I think happened was that everybody was on this craft beer trend and then they realized, eh, like, beer isn't healthy for me. I'd like something else um, so I don't have that beer belly. Um, <laughs> I think that they were just looking for lighter products. And, you know, here was White Claw with, Hey, this is low calorie, low sugar. It's not a beer. Um, I'll drink that. And so I think really white claw and truly were just good timing from like a perspective of people were tired of beer. And, you know, it's interesting. If you look at the market, the top four competitors that, that have a majority of the market share, they're beer companies. Um, and they, as people have been changing, moving away from beer, they're losing market share. So what they're doing in order to maintain that market share, they're not growing their market share. They're just trying to maintain it. They're picking up smaller brands like this to add to their portfolio lineup to, you know, meet that array of tastes that their customers now have. Um, mm -hmm. I also think that, you know, the Truly and White Claw, they got picked up. I, the, people thought they were healthier. Um, and they weren't necessarily associating them as a malt beverage. And so I think that White Claw truly did a great job of marketing their products so that it wasn't in the same lineup as like a Smirnoff Ice, right? <laughs> um, and, but it's been interesting. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of bar owners, restaurant owners pretty much every day. And I'm hearing that they are ordering less and less of those White Claws and Trulies. Um, because people are starting to realize, wait a second, I was looking for like a cocktail 
replacement and I'm still having to pour a shot of vodka into my white claw, that's, you know, that's not working the way I want it to. I don't want to carry around vodka to pour into the white claw. If I can just go get a canned cocktail with true spirits in it, that's what I was searching for all along. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to hear that feedback, even from bar owners, that you wouldn't necessarily think canned products would belong behind a bar, but people are asking for them and people, bars are starting to pick us up, you know, they're just, they're meeting client demand. Mm No, I know like from my experience with uh, White Claws and Truly's, um, I've never, honestly, I, I like the products. I've never gone into a bar and ordered a White Claws or a Truly's. It's always been like, I always associate it as kind of a, a summer going out to the lake, out, outdoors kind of drink. Um, just because it's a very, you know, I think it's a very like light and hydrating drink. Like I wouldn't want to have like an IPA or something. And, you know, I feel like it's too acidic or maybe I'm just like not hydrated enough and get a hangover or <laughs> something like that. No, for sure. I, I mean, you're not alone in that. That's what everybody kind of grabbed on to. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that's um, really, there was like another question that I saw um, that we kind of talked about before, uh, really before we started the episode was on kind of with the new upcoming uh, unofficial holiday behind the ranch, uh, the, the canned ranch water. And I wanted to kind of ask on that on really the exact date. And if you want to expand on it, if there's Anything that your company is doing, um, you know, any collaborations, any partnerships? Yeah, no. Um, so it's so funny. I mean, we, my husband and I were just, he, you know, I joke like he's the idea man and I'm the executor. And so we kind of are on the same wavelength and thinking, we always are thinking the same thoughts. And um, on National Margarita Day, we were standing drinking one of our classic margs. And at the mm-hmm. same time, we both were like, I wonder when National Ranch Water Day is. Um, again, <laughs> did a quick Google search and there's not a National Ranch Water Day. So we went to the National Archives, filed all the paperwork and got National Ranch Water Day approved. Um, oh, and that wow. is April 11th of every year. So that's <laughs> this coming Sunday, which is super exciting. I mean, to, to be able to found a national holiday is so cool. and. Um, you know, I think that people, as they're realizing how good ranch waters are, you know, it's basically like a a cousin to a skinny margarita. Um, mm. I love to say it's Texas's version of a skinny margarita. Um, you know, I think it's a holiday that people can really get behind. I mean, listen, National Margarita Day, National Ranch Water Day, Cinco de Mayo, it all, you know, it all goes together and it's all, you know. So something here we in Texas love to celebrate and I'm sure across the nation as well. Okay. And is there any, um, I guess, anything planned for that you personally or the company's doing during that day or? Yeah. I mean, we're doing a lot of activations throughout all of Texas. Um, but the big one, which is like, you know, you have these dreams when you start this company and you're like, what is kind of the pie in the sky? What if, you know, what if you could get into the stockyards? Mm -hmm. Um, so we went to the stockyards and they are letting us take over the stockyards all weekend long in Fort Worth. So um, we have a lineup of musical performances all weekend from eleven or sorry from noon to six, both 
Saturday, April 10th and Sunday, April 11th. Um, we'll have a team out there giving out samples to people. I know the stockyards will be, um, we'll have our product throughout the stockyards for people to buy if they'd like. Um, so we feel so, I mean, so, so lucky and so, so blessed that the stockyards was going to get behind this with us too. They've really been great partners and, um, you know, kind of letting me have my dreams. So, um, we're really Mm -hmm. excited to get out there and do that and celebrate. Definitely. Is it, um, if I wanted to come out like on April 10th or, uh, April 11th, is it, um, is there like a ticket to get in or is it just show up to the stockyards? Just show up, show up. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever been down there, but it really Mm -hmm. is a cool destination. You, you know, when you think of Texas, you think of cowboys riding horses, um, and the stockyards emulate that so well. Uh, you know, they have longhorns as their mascot and every day twice a day they have the longhorns that walk down the main street of the stockyards and so that will happen during the event um people just flock to the stockyards on the weekends so no no ticket no purchase necessary show up come enjoy the music come meet our team um and just have fun because that's what we're going to be doing (laughs) definitely and is there any um I guess events similar to this. I mean, I know really with the pandemic, I know it's kind of with vaccines coming out, we're definitely seeing kind of the light at the end of this tunnel on um, really on kind of what we're doing and, you know, people less positive cases. Is there any, I guess, future goals kind of moving forward? I mean, obviously, you know, Stockyards is a huge achievement as on the holiday of the National Ranch Water. Is there any... Um, I guess, activations or events that you think would be really cool kind of moving forward, um, kind of in a post-COVID climate? You know, that's something that my team and I discuss all the time. There's With an alcohol company, there's so many opportunities to do cool things. Um, Mm. I really feel that people, you know, music – Music reminds people of of times, if, if I'm making sense at all. But um, you'll hear a song and be like, oh, I remember I was at that concert front row and it was so much fun. Um, and so we're looking for opportunities to do things with, you know, music and, music and events, um, places where people are already out enjoying themselves and, you know, can kind of have that. Wow, I had this great ranch water, classic marble. while I was at the stockyards. Um I mean, as far as future events for National Ranch Water Day, I, I'm not sure. I think the sky's the limit as, as we get bigger and bigger. Um, we are, you know, I'm trying to think what we're what we've got going on in the market. We're the we're one of the official sponsors for the iHeart Music concert series that's happening at Nettie Brown Amphitheater in Austin mm-hmm. all summer long, um, which kind of you know aligns with our brand of like the music experience. And so as concerts are happening, you know, our products are out there. People are trying it. Um, but that's activations are something we, we talk about activations every day. And how can we introduce these products to, to consumers? Because I really believe that once they try it, they don't need anything else because they're like, man, that was so good. I'm just going to buy that. I know it's good. I know I'm going to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, that's our goal. Mm-hmm. 
And has that, uh, I guess, has that been the key marketing strategy, I guess, during this pandemic, uh, activations kind of in, on like retail chains or what does it normally look like? I mean, if you're talking about in a COVID world, I could tell you so many stories of, um, <laughs> you know, the pandemic was very painful in a lot of ways, but it was also, you know, um, not so bad in a lot of ways either. And so I think that the pandemic, people couldn't go to on-premise bars. And so they didn't want to make their own cocktails. So they were looking for drinks that were pre-made that reminded them of their favorite bar experience. Um, So I think it's helped expedite the um, acceptance of products like these. And people are not afraid to try them because what else do they have to try during the pandemic, you know? Um, (laughs) And the liquor industry, the the liquor industry, I mean, you know, you work for a distributor. It benefited because people were going to liquor stores to buy, you know, people were stressed. They were drinking more. Um, You know, from that perspective, our our industry benefited. you know, these kind of activations in person events, they had, they didn't, they, they didn't happen. You know, people weren't leaving their house, people weren't gathering. And so all of a sudden you had the, you know, the traditional way of getting people to try your products is by doing in-store tastings. Well, Mm. liquor stores weren't allowing in-store tastings. And so it's like, okay, how do I get creative and get people trying my product? You know, it's, I, I kind of joke that, I, we every day we just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> I think in this world it's it's not the way it used to be, and so you really have to pivot and get creative about how you are getting out, and getting customers' attention. Um, I don't have I don't have a good answer for how to do that. If you do, I'd love <laughs> love your <laughs> advice. Um, you know, I'm always looking for that kind of stuff. But yeah. you know, I think that as people are getting their vaccines and people are people are ready to get back out. And to socialize, especially here in Texas. Other states are behind us in that. Um, we launched in a state recently and they are still not eating inside restaurants. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird to go between states and these weird paradigms of, you know, here in Texas, we're walking around the stockyards, you know, and we're not afraid to be within six feet of people. But then there's other people in other states. And if you're at a park not wearing your mask and you're 10 yards away, they don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a state by state basis and even county by county on how you do things. And still, even in liquor stores, in-store tastings aren't all back. And, uh, you know, it's a, it really is a constant churn of how are we going to get product in people's hands? I love to kind of say, how do we get cans in hands? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, it's really cool news on, because I know a lot of companies that I talk to, and kind of sometimes I talk to the podcast. I mean, it seems that a, a huge issue is always as a startup winer spirits company on getting customers, especially during the pandemic, where people are likely to kind of ask around on upcoming brands. Uh, they really, when they're in the liquor store, they're going straight towards their loyalty brands. They're not really wanting to venture out too much. Uh, they want to get out. Um, but I can understand from your perspective on that increase. It possibly definitely helps that that increase for the canned cocktail definitely increased or kind of the that increased so much during this pandemic because of kind of on-premise closing. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I would say that, I mean, yeah, that really helped. And, and two, I thought that might kind of filter off and people would go back to their bars, but people are still concerned. And mm-hmm. when they go to the bars, they're concerned about the number of hands making their cocktails. And so I think that's why they're saying, Hey, can I just get a canned branch two O? you know, it's mm-hmm. safer because all you have to do is pop the tab. And we worked really hard to formulate beverages that taste like cocktails you would have just gotten at a bar. Um, mm. And so I think it's easy for people to say, you know what, Ranch 2 I know what it tastes like. It's consistent. There's a lot of places. I go a lot of places and I order a ranch water. Some places you think would have really good ranch waters. They're terrible. Um, <laughs> here in Dallas, even, I mean, upscale restaurants, you're like, oh, good God. Um and I think people mm. people have started developing that relationship with us that they know that they're going to get a consistent ranch water. They know what to expect. And uh, that's what they're going out and ordering. Oh, okay. I guess uh, on that subject, is there any um, DFW bars or restaurants that you think make uh, re- like really high quality cocktails? Really high quality cocktails or really high quality ranch water? Oh, I guess, uh, I mean, if you have ideas on ranch water specifically. Well, you know, there's a, I'm going to give a shout out to Brady Wood. He's a restauranteur here in Dallas. He has a restaurant called Jose and they have a deconstructed Mm. ranch water. They call it the usual. Um, And he calls it the usual because that's what he usually orders. And uh, they serve it with, you get the tequila, you get a side of lime juice and you get a Topo Chica. So you can pour your own ranch water to your, you know, your desired tartness really. Um, Mm. That's always a winner just because for me, I know how much of what I put in my drink. Um, Mm. Good cocktails though. Gosh, I feel like there's so many and I love a good co- I love a good old-fashioned if I can find a bar with a good old-fashioned that is uh, like I will go back there just to have old-fashions um old-fashioned just uh um just because there's like so many variations of it sometimes from uh just different cities and different bars and restaurants yeah no it's it when I travel when we travel when we used to travel um I would like go and try old fashions, you know, at all the restaurants just to try to figure out, okay, like we went up to Baltimore for a wedding and I was like, I bet this city makes good old fashions. And so we went around and and I had one good one. And then I was like, no, we're going to keep going until, you know, get better and better. And so that city as a whole knows how to make an old fashioned. Um, Mm, Have you uh, gone to uh, uh, Chicago to try anything? I've been to Chicago. I've had a couple of fashions there, but I didn't, I was on business. So I didn't um, Mm. go too crazy. No, one of my favorite, uh, I'm trying to think like um, really in the U S I really loved going out to Chicago and going to their, uh, uh, it's like the reserve Starbucks. It's like the uh, five story Starbucks there. And it's just like, they make all of their, all of their cocktails have some type of coffee or tea, tea infusion. And it was just kind of mm. wild that they're actually, it's not like a, it's not, if you're not a huge coffee fan, it's not a huge coffee base. It's just wild to see them kind of mix espresso with other stuff. And it actually, you know, tastes amazing. Tastes um, good. I, I'm a big coffee fan. I drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, oh, um, okay. cool. oh here in Dallas, so Cat, Catbird. If you haven't been to Catbird, they have great cocktails. Catbird, what uh, what area is that in? That's in the Thompson Hotel in downtown. And it's oh, up on like the 17th floor. So it's cool views, great cocktails. It's decorated really cool. They have really cool artwork on the walls. Mm-hmm. No, I think, yeah, it's probably something I saw a bunch of photos of. But okay, if that's, uh, yeah, I definitely got to check it out then. Now, that's yeah. really, now I, I, speaking of um, really kind of talking more on kind of COVID-19 on, you know, there was setbacks, but kind of like you said that you appreciate some parts of it and there being some accomplishments out of it. One of them that I kind of saw on the website was, uh, I believe it's the PR percentage F awards. Um, when I saw that and I saw it was a, a 2020 competition that you guys are involved with, uh, I was wondering if you wanted to kind of expand on that, on how you guys entered and what I guess a competition is like and kind of that environment. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up because we have had so many wins, I forget about all of them. And <laughs> yeah, the proof awards are put on by the by Food and Beverage magazine, and they happen in Vegas. I think it was Vegas this year or in twenty twenty. Um, and we submitted all three of our we 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 don't have the gin fizz out on the market yet, so we submitted the other three into the competition, and we won a gold medal for our ranch water. And nice. silver medals for our classic Marg and Cranberry Vodka Soda, which was super exciting because the competition happened a month after we launched. So we mm-hmm. felt really fortunate that we were able to enter it and that they actually recognized us and gave us those distinguishments. Um, wow. You know, especially as, as these kind of liquor-based canned cocktails start to come to market, it's important to have awards and it's important to be able to brag about them when you're going up against peers and uh, mm-hmm. there were some other great brands that entered the competition. And, you know, it, it, it's definitely a feather in our cap, but it's not the last one. <laughs> no, it's what. So do like, I guess, master sommeliers or something like try, test out the product, try the product and give a, give a re- review based on that? Yeah, no, it's actually buyers. So, you know, food and, be- or food and beverage buyers from... Delta Airlines, restaurants, casinos, hotels, I mean, from all over the nation, they come in and they do a double blind tasting and that's how they award them. But I do have a funny story about a sommelier tasting my products, if you want to hear it. Um, <laughs> I had to give, I had to fundraise all through COVID, which was yeah. so not fun. Um, and I went into an investor meeting and we had it at this restaurant in Dallas in a, in a private room. And the sommelier from the restaurant said, I'd like to sit in on this presentation. And I thought, excellent. I've got a sommelier that's going to try my canned cocktails in front of potential investors. I'm going to raise no money in this meeting. Like, what am I even doing here? Um, this is not going to go well. So the whole time, you know, I'm, I'm giving my pitch on why these people should invest in Ranch 2O. And um, then we get ready to taste the products. And so... You know, he's the sommelier sat there listening very intently the whole time. And he, he tries our ranch water and um, he holds it up. And I like joke because I was like, this is the biggest compliment I've ever been given in my life. He holds it up. And I was like, oh, my God, what is he going to say? And he's like, 
there is nothing offensive about your product. And I was like, do say more. Like, uh, where are you going with this? And he was like, no, but what I mean is that when you are going to the mass markets with a product, you don't want people to find something to be offended by with it. And I cannot find something to be offended by your product. If you were going, if you, if that is your goal, then you hit it right down the fairway. Mm. And I was like, oh, you know, like, wow, that is so kind of you to say that <laughs> in front of invest, you know? And so, uh. You know, that, like now I joke with, with some of those people that were in the room that they invested. Uh, I think almost all of them invested. And uh, we joke, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not offended by it. You know, there's nothing offensive about it. So uh, so that's my one story on a sommelier drinking my products. <laughs> I mean, that is a I mean, that's a massive risk to uh, have them in there and like bring up the can on like what he could have said. Oh God. It, I was just like praying like, dear Lord, this is, you know, I, fundraising isn't for the faint of heart. It's hard. You get told no a lot. You get into situations like this. And, uh, I was already halfway through COVID, you know, and I was like, what, what else could I lose? Let me just go in and let them try the products. And, you know, ultimately I believed in the products and I knew that they tasted good. And I knew that I was busy drinking them during the pandemic. Mm. And so, you know, why wouldn't other people think that they were good and want to drink them as well? Definitely. No, I also really find the story funny on that. That was kind of the first thing you mentioned on. This is an offensive. Like, I first thought, like, so that's a bad thing? It needs to offense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like, do, do say more, please. <laughs> yeah, he's no. great. I, I still, I see him, you know, all the time and I, he's great. He's Mm -hmm. He probably did a lot for me in that meeting. So, <laughs> no, I really want to. Yeah, I really want to see just on the amount of cans out there that do offend people. Or I really want. I really wish someone has like a. Of that. You know, there's a lot that are so, in my opinion, that offend me. You know, mm. um, but you know, kind of when you're like, you're basically as a young brand you're basically going up against giants and people everywhere told me you're not going to make it. You know, you'll never get to market. You'll never get a distributor. This is a really hard industry. Just stay away. You know, you just hear a lot of that feedback. And I thought, man, you know what? I'm not afraid of the giants and, and this is a risk I'm willing to take. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, part of what kept us going even through COVID and, um, you know, fundraising is I just kept saying, man, there's a lot of really crappy tasting drinks on the market. If they can be on the market, surely I can get my great tasting products on the market and people will buy them. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really what, what kept me going was knowing like, man, there's a lot of crap on the market mm -hmm. that people buy. There's plenty of market share for me to pick up. Definitely. And like, was, uh, Really, after that meeting, was there um, was fundraising? I guess during just the pandemic and everything, were people, I guess, more eager or less eager to invest, or were they looking for new opportunities? Or <sighs> yeah, that's a hard one. Um, I started fundraising in January of 2020, and in the by March 1st, I was halfway to my fundraising goal, and. Um, mm -hmm. Then the next week, COVID happened, the pandemic hit, and we went into shelter in place. And I've quickly lost a lot of self-commitments from that. 
And, uh, you know, when everybody went into the markets crashed, everybody went into shelter in place, kids all came home from school. There was a lot of fear. And so, um, you know, I had people saying, Hey, you know, one couple, they own a big, huge retail chain in Dallas. And they're like, we don't know what's going to happen with the retail clothing. Like we're afraid we cannot commit. And I was very understanding of that. You know, like, listen, I get it. I, I totally get it. I'm scared too, that now I won't get fully funded. Um, and you know, it was hard. A few weeks were really hard and just like, I have, I'm pretty spiritual. And so like a lot of my peace comes from that kind of like, Hey, I believe God gave me all these footstones to get to where I am. And, um, you know, if he led me here and it's not supposed to happen, then I'll get the sign and I'll lose all the money. Um, and, and I remember one, one day in particular, I reached out to a guy I used to work for and said, Hey, Told him what I was doing. I was like, I'd love for you to come on as an investor. And he said, yeah, sure. I'll give you X amount. Can I try the product? And I was like, yeah, I'll come over and let you try the product. Great. Um, and when I left that meeting, I was just like, man, that went so well. Like, ah, that was such a great meeting. I'm so glad I got to do that. And on the way home, I got another text from another investor. He said, hey, I'm sorry. We're going to have to pull out our soft commitment. We're just too concerned about what's going on in the market. And so, like, I really, like, at that point, I was like, okay, God, like, I need a sign like this has all happened and it's crazy. And so if like it, I should not continue with this then I need a sign or if I should continue with it, like, please give me a sign. I just don't know which way to think right now because um, this is hard. It's not easy. And uh, the next day I got a text from the guy I just met with and uh, he said, you know, I, I know we told you we were going to give you X amount of money. And I could see like the dot, dot, dot levels. And I was like, here it is. This has got to be the sign that God's giving me. And uh, he said, uh, but we want to double that commitment. And we have some good friends that we think would love to invest in this. Can we give your information to them? Uh, yes, please. You know, okay, great. And then, you know, I went and met with those people. And 20 minutes into the meeting, they were like, we love this. We want to give you X amount, which it was a really large amount. And I was like, trying to be cool, like, okay, like, that's great. The whole time I'm like, holy crap, you know? And then they said, and we've got two other friends that want to invest. Can we give them your information? Uh, yes, please. And so in a week, I'd raised back more than I had and more than I'd lost just that quickly. Um, and we ended up closing the fund oversubscribed. So it was, it was nuts. And at one point I had a good friend who's an entrepreneur tell me, Amelia, just keep going. The people who never get there are the people that give up, keep going. And they, what they say about fundraising is true. You know, people, um, it's like pouring out of a jar of honey, you know, it, nobody wants to be the first money in and the, the honey comes out of the jar really slow, but then all of a sudden it'll start dumping out. And that's exactly what happened with the money. Um, People were afraid to invest, but then I think people didn't want to miss out. And so when they heard, hey, I'm about to close the fund, we're almost fully funded, then people were, hey, can I please get in? Can I please give you cash? Um, and, uh, you know, here's the thing about the pandemic. There's a lot of people that lost jobs and a lot of people that went through really hardships. Um, and I really sympathize with that because it's not easy. And I know it was very stressful. But there's also a lot of people who are used to traveling and spending a lot of money on trips and they weren't able to spend that money. So then they had a lot of money and they were like, well, what are we going to do with this? Like, how can we put this money to work instead of taking a trip, international trip? And so uh, I found those people. <laughs> 
no, that's a that's a really wild story with your faith on like wanting a sign and you know waiting for. I think like all my anxieties have come from that iPhone dot dot dot. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was like, here it is. Like, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm waiting to hear what you got to say. And uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm glad. I'm glad I. I am glad I had that faith because I don't know how people, I don't know how entrepreneurs run a business without that faith because there's days that you've got these high, high highs and in a 30 minute swing, you'll have like a very low, low, um, you know, it's just like this wacky, wacky world that I've operated now. Um, and it's almost like without that faith that kind of studies you, I don't know how people get through it without their faith because there's a lot, you know, there's just a lot of swings and you, I kind of have had to just go into this saying, okay, like I'm trusting that, that it's going to work out for my good. Like Mm -hmm. it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but it's all going to work out somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I think on top of faith as well, I think just building that grit, I don't think, you know, most people built to take that many types of uh, you know, being denied by investors or getting that many types of, you know, not interested and not being able to push. Um, you know, I think just people don't like that feeling and just, you know, want to go back to their comfort zone and kind of that situation. I mean, totally. I, I I get told no so much now that it's like (laughs) the word no just means like, no, not right now. I mean, really it Mm -hmm. does. And, you know, I, I, I met with one, one person and pitched them on ratio. <laughs> they said, uh, you hear all kinds of stuff. They were like, well, we don't invest in sin businesses. <laughs> and I was like, uh, right, you right. do know Jesus was the original winemaker, right? Like, oh, but okay. I, you know, this opportunity is not for you. And you, you just have to have that, that uh, mindset of, Hey, not everybody's going to be interested in this type of opportunity. And that's fine. Just like, I'm not interested in stuff too. Um, and I really, the, I get told no so much that like, that's my goal is to hear no. I want to push and push and push until they tell me absolutely not. Don't come back. Um, <laughs> I know I do it in a very kind way. I'm not overly, overly in their face. But I mean, as a, as a brand owner in such a competitive industry, such as liquor and liquor, if you're not pushing, no one else is going to push it for you either. Mm-hmm. Definitely. No, that's uh, that's funny on the. The sin business. Yeah. That's what we should call it. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, you could have just said you weren't interested, but okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's what I'm just going to tell my friends uh, moving forward. Like, I'm in the sin industry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sinner. Yes, I. (laughs) You get there, totally. You know, everyone's different, so. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I think to kind of wrap this episode up, I wanted to kind of ask on um really just on uh I'm on kind of a few different alcohol related kind of newsletters that kind of give up random current events in the kind of wine and spirits environment. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain on, you know, what you see kind of and maybe from your perspective moving forward or kind of what you see in changes, but Really, the the news that I saw was about um, Jay Z selling a fifty percent stake um, in his champagne line uh, that was very doing very well, and he was selling it to LVMH. And you know, 
really this was on top of just all the other kind of celebrities that I see do, you know, start their own kind of wine and spirits companies that do pretty well. And then, you know, they get other people to be a part of it. Uh, For your organization, uh, do you currently or would you in the future do any types of um, kind of uh, brand or influencer partnerships? And do you see that becoming more of a norm kind of moving forward? You definitely see that a lot more. Um, I think that celebrities are very influential. Um, and it's a good way to take advantage of it's easy marketing, right? Celebrities mm-hmm. already have a massive following. And so you can leverage their entire network. And for whatever reason, people trust celebrities. They trust what Jay-Z says is a good champagne. Um, they trust what George Clooney says is great tequila. You know, I do the same thing, right? I'm going to listen to somebody I think is cool and I'm going to try their product. Um, you know, obviously we would never say no to an opportunity. I think that uh, we do not currently have any celebrity backing. Um, it's got to be the right fit. It, that's something mm-hmm. that I got asked during fundraising. Well, who is your celebrity? I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know anybody. Like, do you know somebody? Because I don't know celebrity. Like, I don't run in that crowd. I'm just a hardworking mom. And um, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of uh, there's kind of some misconceptions too. Like. A lot of celebrities who say, um, I partnered with this brand or I am an investor in this brand, they really were just given some equity to push the brand, right? Like they're not, Mm -hmm. a lot of times they're not buying into the brand. The brands are, can't afford to pay them cash. And so they say, hey, I'll give you a cut of the equity. I'll give you 10% or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and but that takes the brand from zero to a hero very quickly. And so, is it a good business move? Yes, if you align yourself with a good celebrity. If you align yourself with a celebrity that goes off the wall or makes a racist statement, that could be damaging to your brand. So, it's very important to to consider that when you're brand when you're partnering with somebody. Um, do I have celebrities I would love to partner with in mind? Yes, absolutely. Will they respond to my emails? No, they haven't yet, but I'm sure they're just waiting until the time is right. Um, you know, I, 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 people trust celebrities and you can just, the marketing reach that you have when a celebrity comes on, is just exponential. So is it a trend? I mean, I feel like, yeah, it'll be a trend until it's not a trend when people are like, oh, who cares that so-and-so came out with a whiskey? Like, the last celebrity that came out with one wasn't that good. Why am I going to go and try this one? You know, so, but I think it's just that cycle of marketing. How do you get creative? How do you get buzz behind your brand? And right now it's celebrities. Mm-hmm. So if you know any, send them my way. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, no, it, I can understand that. Um, really with it being a good fit. I would, I would honestly think that not just with the celebrities, but I'd probably say with your business as well, that kind of the social media aspect is making maybe celebrities at least seem uh, more relatable or at least kind of have that impression that makes people maybe trust them more. Um, I think with, you know, maybe mm-hmm. with, with social media, it makes it, it gives way more opportunities to, um, you know, take a photo with iPhone or, 
uh, try to be more personable or interact with customers, um, you know, and they think, oh, okay, this mm-hmm. feels like, you know, this is a friend taking this photo or something, um, you know, I think that uh, possibly helps out with kind of the momentum behind that train. But no, I definitely, and I can definitely agree with it, you know, being the right fit. You definitely want a celebrity. Uh, I mean, I'd say like 90% of celebrity commercials are just where you're like, okay, this guy clearly just took the money and does not even care about the product at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it's, I mean, yeah, it's weird. Social media plays a huge factor into it too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. No, I really um, just wanted to say again on thank you for coming on this podcast episode with me and really just not explaining kind of your background on how you got into the environment, but, you know, really just your background on starting this company, working with investors, dealing with, you know, some of being denied by some investors as well as clients, um, turning this into a holiday that's happening this weekend. Um you know, working on these kind of partnerships, working on these competitions during the entire pandemic. I think it's definitely been, it's been a cool kind of story to look at and kind of a wild ride to experience. Um, But yeah, just wanted to thank you again. No, absolutely. Thank you. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Platinum Mask Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through theplatinummask.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at graymask12. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through maskgrayson at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, raise a glass to success, no matter how you define it.